You're listening to The Lunar Body, a podcast for feminist menstruators who want to manage their health naturally and supernaturally through nutrition, herbalism, and intuitive expansion using science and the moon as your guides. Hello and welcome to The Lunar Body. I'm your host, Kristen Ciccolini, period priestess, nutritionist, and the founder of Good Witch Kitchen. So I did my podcast a little differently this season, and rather than recording last minute, week by week, like I've done in the past, this time I did everything far in advance and not in the order that you're hearing it. So I could make it a little bit easier on myself because it's kind of a lot of pressure to do things on the fly. So that's why I haven't really opened with anything political or timely like I've done in the first couple seasons because as magical and powerful a witch I am, I can't see the future. I don't know what's happening. But that's also why you might hear me talking about things from months ago that you might have already long forgotten about because that is the nature of the internet. Yesterday's news feels like a literal eternity ago. And I'm giving you this preface because I wanted to bring up the trend I heard called quiet quitting. It was coined by a TikToker and it's essentially just doing your job and not going above and beyond. And I think it's a little bit of a misnomer because you're not really quitting. You're still doing the job that you were hired for. But the whole point of it is to push back against hustle culture and being overworked and underpaid. It's about doing the bare minimum to get by because nothing matters and we are but specks of dust on this great green earth. And Gen Z is realizing that work is not the only thing in the world. We work to live, not the other way around. But a lot of people are stuck in hustle culture, not because they want to be that subset of millennials who are all about the rise and grind lifestyle, the ones with the mugs that say, you have as many hours in the day as Beyonce. They film their day in the life videos, starting with gym time at 4 a.m. I'm not talking about voluntary hustlers, because voluntary hustlers are usually sorry, funded by daddy, and there's no real pressure to make a living because these people tend to have large safety nets. I'm talking about involuntary hustling, getting caught up in the chaos of actual full-time work that normal people do. Involuntary hustle culture is just capitalism and toxic expectations at work. It's staying after 5 p.m. and or coming in early, working on weekends, generally overextending yourself and burning out. And not everyone has the luxury of quiet quitting and doing the bare minimum to skate by, but I would like to explore how this expectation impacts your cycle, whether you're a cog in the machine who wants the tools to navigate it, or if you're in a leadership role and you're running that machine and you want more insight into how these patriarchal standards of working impact your team. And if you're interested in learning more about how to cycle sync with your work life, I do have a workshop called Workflow that can help you organize your work activities according to your cycle phase. This is applicable to entrepreneurs who have control over their time and for employees who don't. It can be applied in different situations, just navigated a little bit differently. If you want to know more about that, you can visit my website, goodwitchkitchen.net. It's also available as a corporate wellness workshop. So if you'd like me to bring it to your company for your team to learn about, send me an email at kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, at goodwitchkitchen.net. So let's talk about capitalism, traditional capitalism that prioritizes profit over people. Employers who don't pay fair wages, take advantage of their staff, don't offer supportive benefits, 
have unrealistic expectations of productivity and so on. We've all worked for companies that fit this category. We all exist within the system. Capitalism expects us human beings to produce like machines. We're expected to have the same output at the same times every day, but people who menstruate can't always be the same person from day to day. It's the foundation of this entire show. We are in lunar bodies with hormone fluctuations that cause ebbs and flows in our energy levels, also in our creativity, our productivity, our communication skills, our problem solving abilities, our ability to focus, and so many other facets of work life. But patriarchal work structures are more beneficial for solar hormonal cycles. Not to say that men aren't impacted day to day by these expectations and their own personal energies, but the expectations better serve them for sure. And we can't just copy and paste ourselves into each day, performing the same tasks with the same cognitive focus every day, because we're humans. We're not computers. We're not industrial machines engineered to mass produce identical products and have you been in the world that we live in? We're not at the same mental capacity from day to day. But that's the expectation. You should be able to attend back-to-back -back meetings all day while maintaining excellent focus and attention while on camera, also getting an oversized amount of work done in a timely manner, even though you're in meetings all day, timely according to someone else's timeline. You should be able to stay late if there are deadlines, even if the deadlines are arbitrary. You should be able to work on weekends if your boss wants you to. This has you working against those natural ebbs and flows of your cycle. You're trying to be as productive as possible at the expense of your mental and physical health. And rather than leaning into your intuitive need for rest or whatever else is needed, you power through because you have to. You don't really have a choice. You're likely not afforded mental health days or menstrual health days or the grace to have an off day. This creates mental stress from failing to perform at the same level every day. You wonder why you just can't get it done, why you seem to be falling short, why you can never make your boss happy, why this, why that. And you're stressed about deadlines, you're stressed about workload, you're stressed about having little support and you don't feel comfortable bringing it up to your manager. Chronic high levels of the stress hormone cortisol put your body into a constant state of fight or flight, which leads to hormone imbalance and those PMS symptoms that you were taught were totally normal. But then you can't take time off because you're out of sick days, so you power through the PMS. You do your best to get through the day even when it's hard, causing more mental stress, which causes more physical stress, and the cycle goes on, cycle within a cycle. Sorry if I'm stressing you out talking about this, but this totally warps our sense of what's normal in terms of work expectations, in terms of bodily expectations, and our mental health. And when you think of it like this, quiet quitting is the way to go, right? Why impact your health, the one thing that you truly have for an employer who sees dollar signs and they look at you? I'll never forget my employer telling me that they were losing money on my salary. I was making an extremely average salary, very much below average for my role. But after hearing that, why would I ever put in more than the bare minimum for people who just looked at me as an expense that they had to justify? As if it were my problem that they sucked at accounting. That same job, when I told my boss I couldn't work during my commute because I got motion sickness while reading on the T or on the subway, she suggested I get work done on the toilet. <laughs> she said, you know, when you have just a few extra minutes on the toilet scrolling through your phone, 
incredible, really, <laughs> that actually happened. And it's, it's really all about expenses when it comes down to not supporting people with periods in the workplace, too. So not only does capitalism impact the standards that workplaces abide by that negatively impact your health, but there's no support around it either. Putting period products in the office bathrooms is money they don't want to spend. Menstrual leave is likened to time theft instead of being a benefit that you're entitled to. All of these expectations under capitalism also fall under the characteristics of white supremacy culture developed by Tema Okun and Kenneth Jones. Perfectionism, sense of urgency, quantity over quality, paternalism, power hoarding, individualism. I'm not the person to speak on this, but I do think it's worth highlighting how white supremacy culture intersects with gender oppression and sexism in the capitalist workplace. I will link to more information on those characteristics if you'd like to learn more about that because inclusivity benefits everyone and if you're in a leadership role or position of influence at work, I highly recommend reading through it and considering how you can make changes in your organization that better supports your employees. Now in this culture, we always feel like we have to be doing and many people look at rest as a waste of time for lazy people or it makes us feel like lazy people because we're conditioned to believe that our worth lies in our output. And I try to emphasize all the time that rest is one of the most productive things that you can do. We want to see sweat to know that we did enough work. We want to put in the hours to get the job done. We want to keep going so we don't lose momentum. But you know that saying, if you don't choose a time to rest, your body will do it for you. It is very true. Just because you can't physically see something, just because it isn't tangible, doesn't mean nothing is happening when you rest. The work is happening on the inside, and it can't happen until you give yourself a break. This never-ending work expectation makes you feel like shit. It causes PMS problems. It can make you feel like shit during your period. And the idea that you always have to be producing can contribute even more to feeling awful. So yeah, fuck the patriarchy. It's all well and good until you actually have to apply it in the workplace. And you're probably like, okay, Kristen, none of that's going to fly here. I can be mad at the system all I want, but I still have to participate in it. I know. I know. So while I love to work towards dismantling the capitalist patriarchy and its emphasis on productivity, I do recognize that we still live in a capitalist society. And unfortunately, we have to play the game to get by. That's where quiet quitting comes in. But I also want to share a bit on how you can honor your cycle at work and get the most out of your menstrual phase without burning yourself out. Because most people don't have the luxury to push off work till their period's over and their energy's better in the follicular phase. So we'll talk about tools for being more productive on your period. First, you need to understand your cycle. If you don't know how your menstrual cycle impacts your body throughout the month, then you won't know the best times for meetings, for content creation, organization, evaluation. Learning how your reproductive hormones impact your creativity and productivity and focus all throughout the month is really key to maximizing your potential in each of the four phases of your cycle. And yes, I am aware that I'm using capitalist language like maximize and optimize when talking about the human body, but this is a case of don't hate the player, hate the game. So how does that help you to be more productive on your period? If you're taking advantage of the right times for certain work activities throughout the month, you'll have better energy and focus to do what you need to do when you're menstruating, and you won't feel like garbage doing it either or you won't feel as much like garbage, depending on where you are in your journey. So what are the right times? Again, in my workflow class, it goes into it way more in depth. But briefly, in the follicular phase, or your waxing moon time, if you're comparing it to the lunar cycle energies, estrogen is building along with your energy. 
also growing is your creativity, your ability to solve problems, and this makes it a great time for starting new projects, brainstorming, and taking on mentally challenging tasks. In your ovulatory phase or your full moon phase, your communication skills are the strongest. This is best for meetings, for client calls, and other modes of communication like writing proposals, blog writing, marketing copy, and so on. In your luteal phase, your waning moon time, things are winding down and you become more detail-oriented and it's the best time for sorting out what's working and what's not and revising your processes. Also good for reconciling your books, managing invoices, and other administrative tasks. And then finally, your menstrual phase, your new moon time, it's more about self-care, rest, reflection. Your intuition is the strongest here, so you have to, if you have to make a decision on something and you need a strong gut feeling, that's the time to do it. So that's just briefly, but I know it's not always easy to perfectly align work activities with your menstrual cycle, but now that you have a better idea of when types, different types of tasks may feel the easiest, Honoring this as much as possible will make getting things done in your menstrual phase a lot easier. So let's talk a few more ways that you can honor your body while you're on your period so you can feel great and get shit done. Again, I'm going to emphasize rest. And I emphasize it because it's, again, one of the most productive things that you can do. You are not an energizer bunny. Eventually, you'll run out of steam if you don't incorporate any form of rest into your work. Take a personal day or a half day if you can, or if that's not possible, maybe just taking an actual lunch break, not one where you're eating at your desk and answering emails at the same time, maybe just to consider that. Next, feed yourself. Ask yourself the following questions. Are you meal hungry or snack hungry? If you're meal hungry and you opt for snacks, you're going to need a meal's worth of snacks to feel full, which can feel like you have no willpower when you're actually just trying to fulfill a biological need. Ask yourself, are you actually eating enough? Sometimes when we're trying to get a ton of stuff done, we forget to take a break and eat a real meal, and instead we just graze all day, getting distracted, never really feeling satisfied. Is your meal balanced? If you actually are having a meal, is it balanced? Eating enough food will keep your blood sugar from dipping which will activate your stress hormones, mess with your focus. We don't want that. Even better, if you have a good balance of protein, fat, and fiber in your meal, you'll feel satisfied. It'll keep your blood sugar stable. It's a key part of keeping your hormones happy. So are you eating enough and are your meals balanced? And then are you honoring your cycle in the kitchen? Try to eat cyclically if you can. I've talked about this in a previous episode. You want to get the basics in place before you add this layer in. But if you're at that level and you want to start to eat for your cycle, listen to that episode. Nutrient-dense, mineral-rich, and hydrating foods like seaweed, seafood, and fresh produce, all of these support blood and water loss during menstruation, and they help replenish nutrients like iron needed for this phase. So again, more on eating for your cycle in depth can be found in that episode and then also even more in depth in my Cycle Magic course. Now, meeting your needs is half the battle in our culture, so make sure you're feeding yourself adequately. It's basic, but it's very important. Also very important, deep breaths, (laughs) deep breaths. Since the menstrual phase offers us a natural sacred pause of sorts. Give yourself a little space to breathe, whether you do deep breathing on its own or follow a guided meditation with a trusted practitioner. Deep breathing's not for everybody. I know for me, depending on where I am with my mental space that day, sometimes deep breathing can cause me to get more anxious and upset. 
Um, like I personally am not a fan of the Wim Hof method, but I know some people love it and swear by it. So it's totally up to you and you know your experiences with deep breathing, particularly not for those who have trauma associated with breathing. So don't feel pressured to enter this practice if you're worried about what'll come up. Emotions can absolutely be stirred up here if there's something underlying. So if you do choose to try this, seek out a trauma-informed breathwork instructor and do check their training. It's becoming trendy to call yourself a trauma-informed practitioner, but a lot of people just take this as, I've experienced trauma, thus I am informed. And that's not right. So don't be afraid to ask about their training. So I recommend this because deep breathing helps us take ourselves out of the chronic fight or flight stress response, which we seem to always be in. And it brings you into the present moment. It helps your body physically relax, regulates your nervous system. So it's better prepared and able to perform all the necessary internal processes. So you can perform all your necessary external processes. And then finally, drink alcohol intentionally. I don't love to tell people to avoid anything because you're an adult, you're free to do as you wish, but I like to provide the info so you can make more informed and intentional decisions. So you might find that you're more sensitive to alcohol in the menstrual phase, which is likely due to changes in insulin sensitivity at that time. So you may feel its effects a little bit more easily. Your enjoyment of alcohol also tends to increase at this time, probably as a coping mechanism for period problems, honestly. It's a double-edged sword, so you might like it more, but will the subsequent hangover help you be more productive the next day? Unlikely, but you know your body best. So take this knowledge, proceed with intention. It's like anything else. Pay attention to it. Decide what works best for you. So for instance, if you have a big meeting the next day, if you're like leading a presentation or something, maybe winding down with a glass or three of wine the night before, not going to feel great the next day, you know, just drink with intention. So that is my spiel on capitalism in your period. And I'll leave you with some questions to think about because the menstrual phase forces us to slow down a bit. And some introspection is nice around this time. It is the end of a cycle and the beginning of a new one. So how'd it go? Consider these questions as you set goals and intentions for the next few weeks. What did and or didn't you accomplish in this cycle and how do you feel about it? What are your values? Are the items on your did and did not do list in alignment with your values? For instance, if you really value your mental health, did breath work or meditation or tapping or exercising or any other nervous system regulation make it to your accomplishment list? So are you organizing your week in a way that aligns with your values and aligns with the things that you want to be doing? How can you organize your schedule to focus more on what you do value? For the things you can't change, how can you plan around them better to honor the natural fluctuations in your energy, your productivity, your creativity? Where can you add in some self-care to make up for the mandatory obligations? So I've talked about this in the past, but for instance, if you have a huge meeting during your menstrual phase. You know, huge meetings are probably better during your ovulatory phase when you're feeling really social and your communication's on point. But if it's during your menstrual phase, not the best week, right? (laughs) So how can you make up for that obligation that you can't change? You double up on self-care the rest of the week. You balance it out and you take care of yourself. Maybe you skip out on some social events that week so that you have the stamina and you have the mental focus and you have the energy to actually do that presentation. So something like that. 
And then finally, what's one change you can focus on this next cycle to bring you more in tune with your body? And then before we go, I just want to highlight the second to the last one there. So where can you add in some self-care to make up for mandatory obligations? Capitalism is pretty mandatory. (laughs) So it's really important to understand what you do and don't have control over. Start with the things you can't control. And from there, you plan around them in ways that better serve you and your body and your energy levels. And this will make things a whole lot easier on yourself. It won't solve every problem, but it will help you stop fighting against yourself and resisting your cycle every day. So good luck out there, my friends. We're all fighting for our lives under this (laughs) system. Uh, Okay, if you enjoyed this episode and you learned a lot from the lunar body, please consider sharing a positive rating or review an Apple podcast or Spotify or sharing your favorite episode with a friend. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Lunar Body. This one-woman production is listener-supported, and if you'd like to support the show, you can check out the podcast perks in the show notes, visit my virtual tip jar at goodwitchkitchen.net slash tip, or you can subscribe and leave a rating or review in iTunes so other lovely lunar feminists like you find my show. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email me at thelunarbody at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at goodwitchkitchen. Thank you so much for being here. Until next time. Thank you.